We all face difficult times. Uh, there are disappointments in life. Uh, there are turbulent times in our lives, uh, crises that we don't expect, challenges that we face. And we know in the back of our minds, yes, God is there. But we need to recognize that God can give us peace, that Christ can give us peace. And it can be faith-building for us as we go through these dark times, as we go through these turbulent times. We're all familiar with the story of Jesus calming the sea in Mark chapter 4. And we look at that story and we think, this is an amazing story of Jesus. That Jesus is able to control nature. Jesus is able to calm the storm. And all of those things are correct. And we need to study it for those purposes. But the story also reveals how faith can grow and how our faith can be deepened, how our relationship with God closer when we come through these turbulent times and we look for peace in Jesus. This morning, that's exactly what, a, what I want us to do. Let's think about this story with an eye towards the development of faith and the faith journey that these men go on. I want us this morning then to think about traveling with the Lord, what it must have been like for these men to travel with the Lord. I want us to think about what it's like hitting a crisis point that these men hit. And then I want us to think personally for ourselves about keeping a relationship with Jesus. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, please be turning uh, to Mark chapter 4. And as you turn to Mark chapter 4, we're going to be talking about traveling with the Lord. Think about what it was like for these men to walk uh, with the Lord. These men saw everything. Uh, they saw Jesus do great things. Uh, and 
if we, if we started just from Mark chapter 1, and we traveled through the gospel of, of Mark, we would come to uh, Mark chapter 3, uh, and we would see Jesus uh, healing uh, the paralytic. And these men were there to see Jesus heal that man. Uh, we would see so many people coming to Jesus after that event uh, because they wanted to be healed by Jesus. So they wanted Jesus to heal their loved one. Uh, and these men saw all that. And so they knew the power that Jesus had. And Jesus himself, after doing some of these things in Mark chapter 3, he would appoint 12 of these men uh, to be his apostles. And when we read the fuller speech that Jesus gives or instructions that Jesus gives to these men, in Matthew's account, in Matthew chapter 10, he says, I want you to, to drive out demons. I want you to heal the sick. And he even says to them, raise the dead. Freely it has been given to you. Freely you give. And so to these men, Jesus gives the power and the authority to do amazing things. Imagine someone telling you, I'm giving you the power to raise the dead. I'm happy if I can just make it to the gas station on time. But raise the dead? And so these men traveled with Jesus, and they saw the tremendous things that he did. But then they also hear the amazing teaching that Jesus does along the way. As we move into Mark chapter 4, Jesus uh, begins to teach the crowds, and, and he does so with parables. And, and so they hear this amazing teaching. But then as you squeak down uh, into Matthew chapter 4, verse 34, uh, the text says that Jesus then begins to explain to the disciples. They ask them questions about the parables, and Jesus begins to explain them. So they, have these, they, they hear this great teaching by Jesus. They see the crowds coming to Jesus because of his teaching. But then Jesus, in a small group setting, almost one-on-one -on -one sometimes, I suppose, Jesus teaches them directly. So they see the great things that he does, and they hear the great teaching that he does. And this is what it was like for these men to go with Jesus. Imagine, under these conditions, the 12 easily traveled with Jesus. Wouldn't it be easy to travel with Jesus under those circumstances? You're going along. People are coming to him. Uh, he's almost got rock star status is what we would say today. Uh, people are coming everywhere to see him. He's healing people from different, a variety of different types of diseases. Uh, he's a great teacher. Man, what a time to be with Jesus. That would be so easy to travel with Jesus. And so that's what they're doing, and life is easy for them at that point. But then we come to a more difficult time. It's choosing, they're choosing to trust Jesus in, in such moments. It's easy. There's no self-doubt. There's no concern. Uh, there's no lot. Life seems rosy, rather. But now the disciples find themselves faced with a challenge to trusting Jesus. Notice what happens as we look at the text then, beginning in verse 35. It says, On that day, when evening came, he said to them, Over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took, they took him along with them in the boat, and just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, 
and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much that the boat was already filling with water. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they awoke, they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? As we look at this story, the disciples face this challenge to trusting Jesus as the storm suddenly comes upon them. This is something they should have expected because they're accustomed to this on the Sea of Galilee. On the west side of the Sea of Galilee, you have these huge cliffs, these huge mountains, uh, that arise uh, in uh, Judea. And they just drop off at the Sea of Galilee. And so on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, the wind just rushes down. And it can happen at a moment's notice. Well, some of these men are, are professional, professional fishermen who worked in the Sea of Galilee. They knew what it was like. And that wind comes down and it hits that warm, moist air above the lake and these storms just come out of nowhere. But if you live there, you, you know what to expect it, right? Just like when you live in Texas, you know that severe storms can come at any time. But when that tornado's coming for your house, you still get a little bit scared, don't you? You still feel a little bit uneasy. And so here they are. They're in the boat, and the storm suddenly comes upon them. And it says that the waves are so great and so mighty, the boat is already filling with water. Now, I haven't spent a lot of time in a boat, but I've spent enough time in a boat to know that when it starts filling with water, things are not going to be good. So you can imagine the fear that these men have, and, and suddenly they're challenged. They're in a crisis, not just a minor crisis, but a crisis that threatens their lives. I can understand exactly where these men are. This crisis is hitting them. And suddenly they're concerned. And so they go to Jesus and they say, don't you care that we're perishing? Their mindset is, we're going to die. And, and here is Jesus sleeping on a cushion at the stern of the boat. Don't you care that we're perishing, Lord? Do you not have any concern for what's happening? Do you not even know what's going around? Uh, this comment reflects the notion that, that it's going to be lost. Everything's going to be lost. But it also suggests they had no vision beyond the immediate moment. And rather than just appealing to Jesus for help, I mean, they're in utter despair. They're in utter despair. Everything is lost. So they, they are in extreme crises mode. And they have forgotten who they're with. They ignore Jesus' power to, to see them through the crisis. Now think about this. They've seen Jesus heal people at the point of death. They've seen Jesus heal every type of disease. But they have forgotten those things in the moment. 
They have forgotten that just a few moments before, maybe a day or so before, Jesus has appointed them to be his apostles to go throughout all Judea preaching the truth. They, they forgot God's mission for them. They forgot Jesus' mission for them. God wasn't going to let anything happen to them. They were, they were key, key components to, to his plan in, in preaching in Judea. And yet that doesn't compute into their thinking. Why? Because they're in crisis mode. Because the boat is filling with water. Because to them, everything is lost. And so Jesus comes, verse 39. He rebukes the wind and the sea, and he says, Hush, be still. And it says the wind dies down and became perfectly And then Jesus comes to these 12 men, and he says, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Can you imagine Jesus looking you in the eyes and saying, You still don't have any faith? These men that he has just appointed to be his apostles, to be the ones that he would send out on this great mission, is looking in them, them in the eyes. Obviously, Jesus had that mission. But they had become blinded from the crisis. He had chosen them. They were part of the plan. He had empowered them. But they failed to see the plan. They failed to see that even if the boat sank, Jesus could rescue them. All of those things had gone from their minds. Their faith was at a point of zero. When Jesus looks at them and says, do you still have no faith? Man, what a judgment by Jesus. After all they had seen, after all they had heard, they're still at a point which Jesus says, you don't have any faith? After everything you've seen, you still don't have any faith? But their faith grows. Their faith grows. In the end, they had even greater respect and fear of Jesus because of his ability. Again, verse 41 says, They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They recognized truly the power of God. You see, sometimes it's easier in life, isn't it? When you see bad things, good things happen to other people, and you can attribute God to some of that. You can attribute to God working in people's lives. Uh, you, can, you can see faith in other folks. Your life, that's when it becomes real. That's when it becomes life-changing. Sometimes we talk about young people. And we talk about them in terms of their father's faith or in terms of their, their mother's faith. And we use that phrase to mean they grew up in a Christian home maybe and they can tell you the Bible stories. They can quote Bible scripture. They can even find where those things are in, in, in scripture. But have they really developed their own faith yet? And of course we want our children to develop their own faith. But we say that just to point out the fact that just because you're around people of faith, just because you know people of faith, doesn't mean that you have your own faith. 
And here these men aren't touched by necessarily other people's miraculous healings. But they're touched in a very real way because they saw their lives in jeopardy and peril and Jesus saved their lives. It's this very real power of changing the weather, making that sea perfectly calm. He didn't do it halfway. He didn't do it three-fourths of the way. You know, it doesn't say the water was a little choppy. You know, we still had a light breeze going on here. Had a light craft warning. No. The text says it was perfectly calm. Did that get your attention? I think it would get my attention. It certainly got their attention. So much so that the text says they were afraid and said, who is this that even the winds and the spirits obey him? Think about that question. Who is this? If they had any doubts about who Jesus was before this event, they asked the question, who is this? A rhetorical thought. Maybe this really is the Son of God. Maybe this guy that's been talking about God being his father really is the Son of God. And it becomes very real for them. This wasn't just another miracle that Jesus does, if you can say it like that. Just another miracle. But this was a moment of faith building for these men. Because they came to really believe or to see who Jesus really was. The crisis had led them to greater faith, respect of Jesus. Their relationship grows when they realize who Jesus is. This really is the Son of God. And there are different types of relationships in our lives. Uh, we can talk about colleagues, co-workers, partners in business. We might talk about our siblings, uh, brothers and sisters. We might talk about parent-child parent relationship. But this relationship was unique. Because this was a face-to-face -face relationship with the Son of God, with God Himself, acting on their behalf. And their faith grows. Perhaps a greater appreciation than just we get to travel around with a great miracle worker or a great teacher. We're in the presence of God. Think about the hitting of a crisis point that these men had. Think about our hitting our own crises in our lives. How is your faith journey with Jesus? We sometimes find it easy to walk with Jesus when life seems easy. But when crises hit, do we trust Jesus? Is Jesus more to us than just a great teacher? Is he more to us than the one who died for our sins? You see, that's an abstract thought. Oh, yeah, someone died for my sins. It just rolls off the tongue at times. But does Jesus mean more to us? Is there greater depth to that statement? Does it resonate in our hearts and our minds? Jesus died for my sins. He loved me so much that he was willing to endure all of that for me. Jesus really does care for me. When storms hit, do we rely on Jesus? There are legitimate crises in our lives, legitimate things that happen to us. 
the disciples' boat really was filling with water. That was a life-threatening situation. That was a drowning situation. And there are things in life that happen that can have terrible consequences in our life. We're blessed with a wonderful economy right now. But there will come a time in which there's a recession. People will lose jobs at some point. When you're the one that just lost your job, that is life-threatening. That has dire consequences. That's a real crisis. When you have disease or illness or death in your family, that's a real crisis. Sometimes we see people that we love leave the church. That is a crisis of faith for us at times. That brings great sorrow in our lives. Our American culture seems to be more and more skeptical of Christianity and the Bible. Young people seem to be turning elsewhere in terms of their faith and places to go. Some would threaten Christianity. Maybe something that we've invested in is abruptly taken away from us. All of these are moments of crisis in our life. And we have to ask ourselves the question, am I going to trust in Jesus? Can I see Jesus to get me out of this? Do we cry out to Jesus? How do we cry out? Do we simply throw our hands up in the air and seek relief, a relief elsewhere? Or are we going to follow Jesus? Are we going to make rash decisions? We might fail to see the big picture. God has a plan. He has a mission for us. As a church to be in, the, in this world, we are to be a light into this world. As individuals, we are those lights of the world. God has a mission for us. And sometimes we forget that. God's going to take care of us, folks, one way or the other. Sometimes the way that he takes care of us is to let us come home. But God's going to take care of us one way or the other. And so we need to cry out to Jesus. We need to cry out to God for help. When we do those things, we see God in a different light. No longer is it just because of a self-serving thing that I am a Christian, but because we recognize him as the creator, the almighty, not just what can I get out of him, not just because he promises to forgive me of my sins, but because I have an authentic relationship with God. When I go through a crisis and God brings me through that, Christ brings me through that, I have that authentic relationship with him. It is real in my life. And I learn to trust God. And I learn to trust Jesus. And therefore, my relationship is strong. So let's think about keeping a relationship with Jesus. Originally, I'm drawn to Jesus because of the promises of salvation. I hear about hell. I know it's a place I don't want to go to. And so because of that, I'm drawn to Jesus. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. But as my relationship develops and, and continues to grow, I, I learn to trust in Jesus in, in some other ways. And when crises in life hit, crises that are, that are real, that's when my relationship can truly grow close as we face that crisis. I acknowledge God's ability to see me through it. And I need to be open to how God may act. God may act in ways I don't anticipate. Do you think those disciples on the boat thought that Jesus would get just, just stand up and, and say, wind, and I rebuke thee, waves, I, I rebuke thee? 
I went back in King James. You know what's not just me? I'm sorry. But do you think they, they thought Jesus would just get up and say that? And all of a sudden, the storm would go away, and the, and the, and the waves would become perfectly calm. Or are they looking for Jesus to give typical type of leadership? Well, we better get a bucket and start bailing out the water. We need to be open to how God can act to see us through a moment of crisis and trial. And we need to see the bigger picture and our role in it. God is using the church and us as his people to do his work. What's your role? Even if, if we lose our lives as Christians, that shouldn't be dreadful for us. That ought to be a release. I get to go home to be with my father. I don't have to worry about paying taxes on April 15th. I don't have to worry about these hardships anymore. That's a viewpoint that the world doesn't understand, that the world doesn't get. And so I can go to God for help. Look how God has worked in crisis after crisis and how in my moment of crisis he can bring me closer to my relationship with him. Not an, there's not an aspect of life in which God is not in control, in which God cannot act. God does not simply work in the lives of other people, but he is concerned for yours also. These apostles had Je seen Jesus work in the lives of others, and that was one thing, and they could see that, but it wasn't the same until they saw Jesus work to save their lives. And when Jesus works in our life, when God works in our life, when we have a moment of crisis, that brings us closer to God because I can see that he cares for me. He cares for you. And he loves you. And when you go through those moments of crisis and trial and, and, and things seem upside down, and he sees you through it, you learn to trust God. You learn to rely on him. And you grow closer to him. And we appreciate who God is and how he impacts your relationships. And you can ask yourself, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Even as Christians, storms of life will hit. Traveling with God is so easy when things are good. But at some point, a storm will hit. Will I still travel with Christ? Will I still travel with Jesus? Will I still travel with God and know that he cares for me? and will see me through it. In those darkest moments, I can cry out to God, and I can know that he will save me one way or the other. It may not even be a way that I anticipate, but he'll save me because he loves me. Maybe there are trials in your life that you're facing right now, and, and you want the church to be praying for you as you cry out to God. We're ready to do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't been traveling with God and you want to be. You want to be united with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. Whatever you need, won't you come? Sing. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood.